I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 97 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have an awesome guest lined up for you on today's podcast. First Class Father and successful entrepreneur David Meltzer will be here with me in just a minute. And believe me, he has got some incredible advice that all dads can use. So please stick around for the interview. Yesterday was election day, but at the time of this recording, I do not have the results of the Michigan Senate race, but I can definitely tell you that my interview with first class father, John James, has been crushing the downloads. And if you missed our conversation in episode 96, I highly recommend you take a minute to go back one episode and take a listen. No matter what side of the aisle you are on, I really don't believe there is any scenario in which stronger family values or a promotion of family life is a bad thing. Our children need us and we need to lead them and we need to do it with our actions and not our words. I would love to see the results if Hollywood decided just for one year that every movie they made, they would ban gun violence and promote family values. What effect might that have on our culture? I would love to see the Hollywood elites stand up and say, no more will we promote gun violence. We say no, we are no longer going to profit from promoting gun violence. How might that change the society? But when I say things like that, the typical response is movies can't make anybody shoot someone or movies are just entertainment and they don't influence violence in any way. And I strongly disagree with that because I know many people have been inspired by movies like, say, Rocky to become a boxer. I've heard of veterans who have joined the military because of movies like Black Hawk Down. Uh, I'm not against movies, but I don't think you can have it both ways. Uh, You can't provide so much negative content and then be alarmed or surprised when there are negative results in the society. In my opinion, movies, media, video games, these are all huge megaphones to transmit a message to a large audience of our kids. And I just think we could be making far better usage of those tools to instill a greater message of faith, love, and family. All right, enough about that for right now. On the other side of the spot is a man who had it all, lost it, and found his way back on top by helping other people. David Meltzer will be here with me right after the spot. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sports One Marketing and Sports One Media House. He is a two-time best-selling author and a Forbes Top 10 keynote speaker. He is the executive producer and host of Entrepreneur's original show, Elevator Pitch. He was awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor and was Variety Magazine's Sports Humanitarian of the Year. He is known as the CEO who travels the world helping people. It is a privilege for me to say, David Meltzer, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, no problem. Anyone that calls me with this topic, I'm in. Okay, David, let's get this started here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have four kids, uh, three girls, 19, 17, and 14, and a little boy, eight years old. Wow, okay, cool. You have the opposite of me. I have four kids as well, but we had our three boys first, and then we were blessed with our little princess on the fourth try, so uh, pretty cool. (laughs) We're both blessed. All right, what type of sports or activities are they into? You know, the girls are uh, mostly into gymnastics and cheerleading uh, for sports. 
and uh, the eight-year-old son for sports. He's uh, baseball, football, golf, basketball uh, are his favorites, and of course esports, which I only let him play with the sundown. Um, so he's he's out on the streets until the lights go on, and then uh, he's in the house and usually developing his esport championship skills. <laughs> and uh, the girls in high school, the oldest is in college and uh, a lot of student government and philanthropy, uh, all, all the older girls are involved with as well. Okay, now have you ever had the opportunity to coach them at all or do you more cheer them on from the sideline? You know, I, I pick my moments. I've coached for all of them at one point or another. In fact, uh, my youngest asked me to coach and I made, I travel a lot and uh, I made a commitment. And I always said that that season that I coached uh, his baseball team and promised I wouldn't miss probably cost me, you know, six figures in income taking private planes and other things, if commitments lost, speaking engagements and other things because I made that commitment. In fact, I did not miss one practice or game other than I had to speak to other children, which I thought would be an important lesson to him. So I told him when I missed, it was a Saturday, I said that uh, if it was okay with him, although I promised him to make every game and to coach, that I was going to help other children. And if it was okay with him, I was going to miss a game to help other children. And uh, graciously, he allowed me to miss one game that season. Awesome. Okay, David, please take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what it is that you do. Yeah, just a quick background. I, you know, Grew up wanting to be rich, and I know that's kind of an odd place to start. It's because I had no father. Uh, I had a single mom. My dad had left six kids, five boys and one girl. And I went through a process of wanting to be a professional football player, realizing in college that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then wanting to be a doctor. My oldest brother was a doctor, realizing I hated hospitals and I needed to be more interested than interesting. So my mom had a philosophy, doctor, lawyer, or failure. So I went to law school and uh, had two job offers out of law school, one to sell legal research online and the other to be an oil and gas litigator, both high-paying jobs so I could buy my mom a house and a car, which was the real purpose of being rich. It wasn't for myself. It was the only time I wasn't happy was when my mom was upset about money and not having enough of it. So I asked my mom for advice, and she told me the Internet was going to be a fad. And it was the first time that I realized that just because someone loves me doesn't mean they give me good advice. And I went against their advice and got involved in technology after I took the bar. And I uh, passed the bar, by the way, uh, but never practiced law. I sold legal research online, was a millionaire nine months out of law school, and uh, bought my mom a house and a car, paid off my law loans, and developed a career in technology uh, going up to the Silicon Valley, raising $169 million in a wireless proxy server company called EveryPath, which then evolved into being the CEO of the PCE phone, the world's first smartphone manufactured by Samsung. Retired in my 30s, became an investor, real estate developer, and uh, that's when my fun started. I had three daughters at the time and my beautiful wife, uh, but I was empty and unhappy. I surrounded myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. Uh, which led to uh, me losing everything, over $100 million in, on paper and in property. And uh, I, at that time, was the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world. Uh, so to go over and tell Lee that his Midas CEO had lost everything, but even moreover, I had to go over to my mom's house and tell her that I had lost everything 
including her house, uh, was a catalyst for me uh, to live my life of service and to be of value uh, to everyone. And so I shifted the paradigm of value in my life, uh, left Lee Steinberg and started a marketing company, a sports marketing company with Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, based off of making a lot of money to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. And over the past decade have not only built that brand to one of the most uh, prestigious sports marketing companies in the world, but also built my own brand. I have a TV show that does very well called the Elevator Pitch with Entrepreneur Magazine, a top five podcast called The Playbook, as well as uh, you know being a motivational and inspirational speaker, author, and influencer in this new thing called social media. So that's where I stand today. Yeah, wow. What an amazing story, David. And, and it's funny to hear you say that you became a millionaire nine months out of law school and, and it still didn't fulfill you. I seem to read a lot of those stories about people who make it rich or wealthy very early on and it doesn't bring them that sustained happiness until they eventually turn that mindset around and start providing a service to make other people happy. Then it seems to bring genuine happiness and peace to their lives. Yeah, prop- profitability without passion or purpose is an empty feeling. And I see through athletes, entertainers, multimillionaires, so many empty people, and I try to tell them to shift the paradigm of value. I have a saying, you know, we all should be appreciators, and appreciation has two sides to it. One is gratitude, that we should be grateful for everything we have. In fact, if you want to change your life, it's simple. Just say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up, and your whole life will change if you do it every day. But the second part of appreciation is to add value. So I believe that, you know, most people don't have any problem with giving and being grateful. They really have a problem about receivership. They don't understand that you can't even know what you have until you've given it away. And so our purpose or passion should be to take what we receive, add value to it, and give it away. And that's really the passion and purpose that I have. And I've been able to recoup all my own personal wealth, but even more importantly, I've been able to raise millions and millions of dollars and impact and change so many different lives for so many different causes. In fact, our business, Warren Moon and I, is based off of we will not do business with anyone that doesn't have a charitable purpose or cause attached to it. Wow, yeah, well said. Tell me, David, how has fatherhood kind of changed your perspective on life? You know, it's absolutely the most perspective-changing uh, thing of all time in my life, and it constantly changes. Uh, number one, uh, radical humility is one of the most important characteristics that you need to have in order to be fulfilled and passionate and purposeful and even profitable. And I didn't have that radical humility uh, and couldn't learn those lessons until I learned to put someone in front of me. And uh, as you know, being a father is the most important job, uh, to empower others, to empower others, to be happy. Uh, the most direct relative impact we can have is through our children. And, uh, you know, the most important role that I have is to be a father. Uh, and it changed all my priorities, including even recently shifting my priority as a father, understanding that I needed to take better care of myself. Uh, I think a lot of fathers uh, that put their children first, I, I don't think that's really the way that I, that I parent anymore, that I want to make sure that I'm, for example, healthy. So I put my health before I put my family, then I put my family, then I put my job. I used to put my family first, then my job, and then my health. And then I started realizing what good is the job or my family if I'm not around. Uh, and so all the different decisions that I make are based off of the fact that I'm a father. 
and it's the most important job that I have. So all my personal values are directly affected by the fact that I'm a father. All my experiential values are directly affected because I'm a father. All my giving values are all affected because I'm a father, and all my receiving values are affected because I'm a father. And understanding that my purpose is to empower these young people that I've given life or helped to give life to and continue to maintain that, uh, to empower other people to be happy, to make impactful change, and to live purposeful and passionate existence, to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of their potential. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah, one of the main reasons that I'm even doing this podcast here is because I hear far too many young men have such a negative outlook on fatherhood and family life. And I was very happy that there was some type of platform like this to get the message out there that fatherhood will change your life. Yes, but in a much more positive way, if you will only just give it a chance and embrace it. Absolutely. I think one of the most difficult things to do is to explain to someone what it's like to be married, what it's like to be a parent. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's like trying to explain to someone uh, what it's like to get old. You know, you could tell them, uh, but until they experience it, they, they cannot understand how unbelievable it is. And what's happening is, just like any other thing that we market, is the profile and the brand is not equivalent to what the experience is. And therefore, you know, we have this negative portrayal or a negative perspective towards what is the most fulfilling and purposeful and wonderful thing in everyone's life. And you and the best thing to do is go and, and see. You know, I, I ask everyone in my podcast, what legacy do you want to leave? These are the most extraordinary human beings they are, right? We have, you know, great people from, you know, uh, athletes to celebrities to entertainers to, you know, CEOs of Starbucks, you know, unbelievable people on the podcast that have had these extraordinary lives with so much success. And I ask them what legacy that they want to leave, and it always reverts back to their family. It always reverts back to their kids. That's the legacy. They, they want to leave. You know, I was with Baron Davis the other day, the basketball player. The legacy was the name on his back, right? The, the only thing he feels that he can leave his children is his name and that he needs to make sure that he gives that name in its proper stature and in place so that his children can improve upon that, that name. I think uh, we need to focus and encourage people to understand not how hard it is to be a parent, but how rewarding and purposeful and passionate being a parent is and how it leads to so many other great things. When you put faith in the most important things, the most important things come to you. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, David. And going back to what you said a little bit earlier there about being thankful for what we have in life today, uh, right now we're seeing a culture that is more of a me, me, me mentality. So how can we kind of turn around that philosophy and give our kids more of that attitude of gratitude? You know, I think kids don't listen. And I know that, and you know that from having four kids yourself. It's what it's what they see, right? And so I think it's really important instead of to tell people uh, this story. It's to have podcasts like this where you have authentic, organic, credible people that, you know, authentically tell people in an interview or they show people from, you know, when they win their awards, you know, the first people they think is their family or when they, you know, score a touchdown, the first person they mention are their kids or whatever it may be. We need to show. We need to capture, amplify, and perpetuate 
the love and unconditional love that we have for our children and how it enhances our lives utilizing, you know, things in person, on the phone, via email, and, of course, media. Whether it's social media, TV, radio, or print, it doesn't matter. We need to have the proper representation organically that will lead to a surge of this new wave of understanding what's most important in life and what gives us the most fulfillment in life. So you're doing a great deed in the impact that you're having by sharing the message organically and authentically. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I love the opportunity to be able to talk about family. And I think family values really need to take center stage again in this country. I think all the problems that we're having and all the finger pointing that we're seeing, I think that if we trace it back to the root of the problems that we're having, it usually revolves around a breakdown somewhere in the family unit, and it just produces devastating results in our society. Yeah, and, and our systems aren't built for the longevity of the family unit, right? We have all these different things that are in the way. Um, and what we need to do, I always joke around, I go, if you want to change, you know, the economic stature of the family unit, why don't we require everyone that has a child to put a $500 or have a government supplement of $500 to put a compound interest account when someone's born? We'll have no problems with the economics of college or houses or first jobs or entrepreneurship just because of the exponential growth of those type of understanding compound interest and financial literacy by empowering children immediately with a simple $500 account that has compound interest. Uh, you know, these are just basic little things that people don't think about that could change the entire, you know, the entire landscape of the family unit. Yeah, and I think one thing for sure is that it's the best time in history to become an entrepreneur and to break away from conforming to the same old blueprint. I wish there would be some type of entrepreneur class in high school. Do, do you think we're ever going to see something like that uh, in high school where maybe there's some type of entrepreneur class or how to accumulate wealth class? You know, I've been working really hard as a chancellor of Junior Achievement University to put different curriculum into schools on financial literacy, and there's a ton of big financial houses and sponsors that are helping to fund programs. And I do think that not only uh, in the curriculum that's in the traditional schools, but I see because of uh, the transformation of our education system to more online and digital that we're able to provide a wide breadth of knowledge that will include financial literacy as well as empowering entrepreneurship and other things that necessarily weren't available when you and I were children. Yeah, awesome, because the, the resources available today are, are off the charts. Uh, how about this, uh, David, because I love to ask entrepreneurs when I have you guys on here. How about some advice for the dad out there who's a working dad? He has big ideas and dreams, but he also has a family that is depending on him. So he's kind of afraid to make a move forward and, and, and towards that goal and to get started because, you know, he has a fear of hurting his family. Yeah, that's a, a very common. I do a lot of business coaching, and uh, one of the most common questions or how do I start a business when I have family obligations? And, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, the, the key is the legs feed the lion. So the first step in being an entrepreneur, if you have a job that you feel stuck in, is to be better at your job. That means be more efficient. Be, try to get paid more. Because the better you are at your current job, the more options or opportunities that you'll have to make investment of either time or money enable you to start your own business. And so what so many people do is, you know, they, they end up draining the legs and then wondering why they can't ever start a business. And meanwhile, the job that they're at 
is making less and less money and taking more and more time. I challenge people all the time, do your job better. Be a professional. Infuse what you're doing today with purpose. Be the best that you can be and try to do your job better and faster so you have more time and money to increase the opportunities and options for you to start your own business. Good stuff. Yeah, some great advice right there. All right, David, what do you have coming up? You have any speaking engagements, any books on the way? What's next for David Meltzer? Oh, my God, I hope you got a few minutes. I'm leaving today for Florida. I got two speaking engagements tomorrow. I then lead for Lisbon, and I have podcasts and speaking engagements and judging an entrepreneur contest in Lisbon, Portugal. I fly right back for half a day to leave back to New Orleans where I have podcasts and speaking engagements where I then come home and go to Mammoth for the launch of the Ski Mountain, uh, three different Chamber of Commerce speaking engagements, come back home for one day, fly to New York for Entrepreneur Live, where I'm judging an entrepreneur contest as well as have a keynote with Danica Patrick and also podcasts filmed there, and I finally get a six-week break uh, where I'm going to launch a book called Unstoppable uh, with Cynthia Kersey and Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, so that'll come out right before uh, November, and I signed a McGraw-Hill book deal uh, and doing a book on business strategies. So I write a book every six months. Uh, we'll be filming season four of Elevator Pitch, uh, Entrepreneur's uh, number one digital business show, and continue the podcast that I have called The Playbook with multiple interviews and opportunities. And that's just uh, on the sideline of my core business, which is with Sports One Marketing uh, in the sponsorship side as well as the S1 Media House, all the different media that we do, uh, our two core businesses. So got a lot on my plate, but most importantly is going to be my family, and I'm traveling with my family and in constant contact every single day with all four of my children. Uh, if my wife's not traveling with me, with her as well. So one piece of advice for everyone out there is make sure you give a minimum amount of time to every one of your children, no matter if you travel or at home. Make sure you're present for them. I will tell you right now, my wife gets a minimum of 30 minutes a day, whether I'm with her or not. My 8-year-old son gets a minimum of 30 minutes a day, seven days a week, no matter what. And my three teenage daughters, they get two minutes a day minimum every single day. Uh, and it's more torture for them and a blessing for me because if anyone has three teenagers, girls or boys, you know two minutes a day is like a heaven on earth. And uh, and uh, they'll, they'll be thankful when they get older, but it's a challenge to get that two minutes in. Awesome. I love the hustle. I love the passion. Uh, last thing I'm going to hit you with here, I always ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, the best piece of father advice for a new father was one that was given to me when I had my first child at the hospital, and I was terrified. Right, I was terrified to take that child home. I, you know, had no situational knowledge or experience of how to be a parent, and uh, it was very simple: love your child unconditionally. That's if you just love that child unconditionally, you will bless that child for life. And just let them feel confident. It doesn't mean to be their best friend. It doesn't mean you can't discipline. But when they know and they're secure that you love them unconditionally, then you can provide discipline and strategy and and all the different things. You can push them as long as they know you love them unconditionally. So best piece of advice is just love your child unconditionally. Awesome. I really love the message. You are a first-class father for sure. And I'd like to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on First Class Fatherhood. Alec, man, I really appreciate it. If you need any help, let me know, okay? You bet. I will do. David Meltzer, everybody. I'll be right back after a quick spot. 
back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to David Meltzer for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was awesome. Please, guys, hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And then lock it into First Class Fatherhood here for Friday's episode. Number 98 coming your way. I will have First Class Father Bedros Koulian on the podcast with me here. And next week, I got an exciting week planned. So please follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram so you can be up to date with all the latest and greatest that's coming your way right here. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.